Hello and welcome to the Shagulala Salami Show. This is the virtual cafe. I'm your host, Shagulala Salami. Um, who's next, please? Who's, who have I got? Felicia Denise. Hi, Felicia. How are you today? I am well. How are you today? I'm fabulous. Um, it's been a nice, not sunny day, very cloudy day in London. It rained last night, um, but it's the little human's um, birthday this weekend. So I've I've spent the day um, doing lots of running around and trying to get bed day stuff ready uh, because I have I have a plan. I don't know if I can execute it well, but I am planning to make a nice two layer pinata molten well molten chocolate pinata Oreo cake. Wow, I didn't know that's the plan. I didn't know it was gonna be two layers. Yes, because again, I have to have the um the the molten chocolate, you know, so I need to have where to to store the all that molten goodness in so that when it's there you just cut it, it just it just it just you then get all the chocolate goodness, just just baptize your life. That's it, that's the plan. <laughs> I am <laughs> dying to see this cake. What I can execute it is a totally different kettle of fish. I have a plan in my head. I've never done this before, but I have a plan in my head. Um, my cakes themselves, they're they're good. They're, I like it. Everybody seems to like my cakes. But to just sort of try and do this execution, it is it is to be seen. I think I have a plan because one of the problems that I was thinking is like everything is so mathematical with cake and I don't know why people don't like maths and science but everything is mathematical. I've been thinking to myself, right, if I'm going to do this, right, and in normal piñata cakes they put sweeties, you know, like M&Ms and Maltesers and all of those things, right, but I, I yes. want to put malt and chocolate. So what I've been asking myself is how do I do it so that when I put the cake has been packaged and it's all nice, how do I then make the inside of the cake to not get soggy? Exactly. exactly. So that, that is the, it's the, it's the problem that I'm trying to see how I can solve. And hopefully by the time, and who knows, it might be just so much chocolate goodness that no one's going to mind if it gets soggy. Exactly. So. Exactly. It's chocolate. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so but that's what I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. So that's that's it. Um, so what's on the menu for tomorrow? Well, I'm gonna start doing the cooking. So I'm gonna do the cake um, and then put it in the fridge to cool down tomorrow. Then on Sunday, when which is the actual birthday, I'm hoping to do like a coconut rice. Then I'm gonna do like roast chicken and roast turkey, all wings. You know, because you know we like bony bits, and I was like, we don't like chicken legs and all the funky breast and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like loads of roasted, roasted chicken wings and roasted turkey wings, um, coconut rice and a nice pepper stew. Um, and then afterwards the dessert would be the with the pinata cake. I was thinking of having, um, I was then going to make an Oreo parfait. But I'm thinking it's not a party. Like I just think I don't want to do a party this year because last year I did a massive party, um, and this year I'm thinking I don't want to do a party. I'm just going to have a couple of friends over for lunch, and I'm like, you know what? That's just going to give them too much goodness in their life. We should just we should just dampen it down and not too, too much goodness. Um, so that's that's the plan for the little human's birthday. So today I'm sorry she's getting the day off. Yes, yeah, so she's having, she's, you know, she's had so much sugar in her life, so she's like, yeah, I'm sorry, Mom. I'm not going to take any more this today. 
so sorry. Um, you're gonna have to do give give your order to me. Um, so what would you like to drink today? There is no, uh, there's no cake. There, just just lick your order. <laughs> just the standard American black coffee with two sugars. Black coffee with two sugars. That that's easy to do. I'll just take the coffee today. Okay, that's fine. Safety, safety, doing extra work, seeing as I have all this fabulous goodness to do in my life very soon. Um, yeah, okay. So just to remind people, because again, you know, not everybody comes to the Virtual Cafe every very often. So if people who have not uh, come across you before, can you just tell them what you do again? I am a newly published author. My debut novel, In the Best Interest of the Child, a women's fiction psychological romance, was published at the end of September. And it tackles the issues of foster care and child abuse and child abandonment and mental health. Wow. Well, that, that sounds quite interesting. Um, I mean, and you've been here, you know, twice already. And, you know, this is the third episode, you know, for this special um, episode that we're doing on on child abuse. And, you know, I feel like I have a deep, deep connection with um, Olivia. I almost feel like she's Olivia Pope or uh, what's the other lady's <laughs> name now? Um, <laughs> the one with um, How to Get Away with Murder. What's her name now? Oh, it's uh, Viola Davis. Yes, that's it. Um, you know, she, she, I, when I'm thinking of her, I'm thinking, you know, Olivia Pope, Viola Davis, those kind of women, you know, just at the front of my head every time I think, oh, in the best interest of the child. I just think she's hardcore. Yes, right? she is. Um, so, like, in the first episode, you know, we talked about, you know, how to identify, you know, um, a child who is being abused. Um, and I think one of the things, if I remember correctly, because, again, I've got major baby brain, um, is that, you know, you will see a change in behavior of a child. So maybe a child who's normally happy and then all of a sudden, you know, the child's withdrawn or stuff like that. You will see a change in behavior um, and yes. sort of, you know, that's one of the telltale signs. I mean, it's not always because there are certain exceptional circumstances or, or um, the child will be defending the parent and always going, oh, I love my parents sort of thing, almost trying to yes. justify that because they love their, the parents love them. That's why yes. they, they behave like that. Um, and then, you know, we talked about getting justice for a child. Um, and, you know, it's about, you know, first of all, listening to the child and trying to figure out what it is that that particular child, you know, if it's when the child was a child or if the child is now an adult and sort of trying to make sure that you listen to what exactly it is that they, um, that the child wants or what, you know, it would feel would make that child feel that they've gotten closure of what you know has happened um, to them. And you know, one exactly. of the guests that we had last week, um, one of the things that I thought was quite useful, you know, was that, you know, as parents, um, if we wanted to um, prevent, you know, abuse, and I think it's more coming from Olivia, you know, the Olivia in your book, you know, where her parents, you know, were in an accident and her dad died, but then her mom couldn't cope with the grief. But she yes. then had to go into care because legally her friends um, were not able to take her in because exactly. you, know, you have all yes. this you know paperwork and bureaucracy. And so what the guests senior from last week were saying was that you know if you know nobody knows for tomorrow, you know it's best to prepare for the worst and not need it than not yes. prepare and then be in need of it. Um, and I think it was Scarlett. You know she's um, from and uh, what's the word now? And I thought divorce was bad, or and the and 
at Tots Ladies, and she yes. was saying that in Maryland, and I think um, that their law means that if you have a motorized letter saying what it is that you want, um, so you can have a friend. You can have a friend, um, you know, take over, not take over, but you know, look after your child. Yes. You're incapacitated. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yes. Okay. So that which, which is sort of like you know, I thought it would be good to summarize what we you know we've talked about so far um, for anyone um, you know who's who's not listened to any of the previous um, episodes. Um, so today, um, Patrick. Now you know we we've. we've come we've done so much now when how so we talk about identifying we've talked about getting to terms with what's you know happened how do people then you know sort of grief it's sort of nice to find a way to come to terms with everything um that's happened and so like how did olivia so if we go through the five stages of grief um and if you just go and type in five stages of, of grief on google it says that the five stages of grief are denial anger, bargaining, depression, um, and acceptance. And it says it's part of the framework that, framework that makes up our learning to leave with the one um, we lost. Um, he says there are tools to help us frame and identify what we may be feeling, um, but they're not stops on some linear timeline in grief. And that's totally true because, you know, you can't put a timeline you know, exactly. everybody deals with it in different ways. Um, some people they suppress it and try not to come to terms with it. And I think that's where the whole denial um you know comes in. So when you know Olivia was dealing with the stuff that she was dealing with, how how did she, you know, in how did she show her denial? You know, how did you um show her de- coming doing uh, doing denial of what's happened? Well it was easier for her in that respect because no one else ever acknowledged it. She didn't even get the the death of her father acknowledged. So she wasn't gonna get the abuse acknowledged. The only only caveat she got was that the, the abuser went to jail, but it still wasn't discussed. She still didn't receive any counseling or therapy. So it was easy for her to say it never happened and tuck it away in the back of her mind. Right. Okay. But then when she, you know, when she got older, um, did she acknowledge it at least to herself? She has acknowledged it, but at a 38 years old, Olivia has still only gone through the first four stages. She has not accepted it. Right. Mm, 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 mm. And that's and that's where book two will go in because she has to forgive her mother and forgive herself. Right. Okay. So how do um, I mean when you were writing the book, did you do any research, you know, on the five stages of grief, especially the denials, to make it more plausible to the reader? Yes, yes, and I have friends who are in foster care and have adopted children, and they talk to me and share their experiences and their feelings with me. So uh, the the emotions that I was writing came from real people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did they give, did they give you an example of how you can see someone who is in denial? Because sometimes if you meet someone, you might not necessarily know that they're in denial. Um, you know, how, how do you find, you know, cases of denial um, exhibited? 
one girl who is now about 27 years old um, went through it when she was 16. And she mm -hmm. said her problem was she was perky and happy and always trying to make people laugh so that she yeah. didn't think about the darkness that had happened to her. And she, and, she, and she wouldn't she wouldn't watch horror movies she wouldn't you know go out to a halloween party she wouldn't do anything that had darkness addressed to it because it took her back to her abuse so she was like every, she was like everybody's favorite cheerleader right so i guess then that brings us to this saying that i'd sort of heard once that sometimes the people who we see that seem to be the happiest the most helpful, the most, oh my God, I want to be everything that this person is. Sometimes, you know, they're doing all of these things to help them forget. Exactly. What. Exactly. Because when I first met this young woman, the last thing I would have thought is that she was abused. Mm. Because she, she seemed so normal and focused and just not carrying that kind of darkness inside her. Yes. Because, and she was in denial for eight years. Wow. That is a really long time. Like you never, you never can, you know, can tell what, what anybody is going through. So what was it that made, you know, brought her into the limelight of what has gone? Was it something that she then intentionally said, you know what, I'm going to find, you know, did she then, did you, did she burst out? Like, did she then go through it, you know, the typical way from denial to anger to bargaining and then depression? Like, did she go through those stages in that format? Like, how did it then come out? She... Hello? She tried to commit suicide. Oh, dear. That, that was her wake-up call. And she said, when we, when we talked about it, she said subconsciously she didn't want to die. She was trying to wipe the memories away. And she had a friend who had also been abused and she had gotten into the cutting, the self-harm. But she said she could never bring herself to do that. But she said it was started to weigh so heavily upon her that she thought the only way to end the the memories and and all the voices in her head was to take her own life wow i was in my 20s right and i think you know i was maybe I, I i had a most sheltered life and you know i'm just thankful just for myself that i think now that i'm in my 30s i i feel like i've grown you know sort of in my empathy and my understanding of things because i think Sometimes people who come across as not being empathetic is just because they don't really understand something. And I yes, will guess exactly. that the thoughts that I had in my 20s, a lot of other people possibly had it, right? Yes, um, yes. Because I remember that in my 20s, I didn't understand why people attempted to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. I always used to think that, well, if you're trying to kill yourself, why don't you just kill yourself and get it over it? Why do you have to, you know, like when people go and jump in front of a train station and then, you know, quote unquote, yes. and this is the Londoner in me say, why do you have to inconvenience everybody else with your death, right? Why couldn't you yes. just do it, you know, when nobody <laughs> else was around? Why did you have to do it at rush hour? You know, that sort of thing. Or 
you know, someone who, you know, tries to take medication and then starts screaming, oh, my tummy, my tummy. And like, you know, so I asked the doctor this and I'm like, okay, right. If someone wants to then end their life, right, why don't you just let them end their life? Yes. Right? Because again, for me, I did not understand this because I was, I really, and I wasn't asking the question because I was a know-it-all. I literally just wanted to understand it. And this doctor was actually very, very kind enough to me to explain. And she said that it was a cry for help. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. people do do that. They possibly feel that the people around them are not listening. And so yes. it's their cry for help. And that's why, you know, medics then do, you know, come in to say, this person might feel they've done absolutely everything um, and they're not making progress. And I guess, you know, now when you're saying this, it then sort of then puts into context everything the doctor then said to me, because if she's trying to wipe away from her mind everything that's happened and, you know, she feels that, you know, trying to kill herself is the only way, you know, she can do that, it then actually makes sense. I think. Yes. So what do you yes. think? Of course. I, I can't imagine being in that position, thank God. But the, the, the darkness is just so heavy. I mean, another girl who was in the, the same foster home went from being the studious, straight A, you know, conservative student to being sexually promiscuous. Wow. And that was her, she, she was uh, uh, molested by her father. So her way of denying what he was doing to her was wrong, was blaming mm. herself and acting out in that same behavior. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, you know, it's just sometimes, you know, when you have all these things, um, your, brain, um, your brain is just, it's just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's overwhelming. Exactly. And there are no easy fixes. There are no easy explanations or answers. Mm. It takes time and it takes discussion from everyone. Yes. Mm. yes, no, it does. It does. It does. Um, okay. So now let's say, for instance, um, you know, you have someone who is in denial. How would you help that person? How would you help that person to sort of come to terms so that we can then progress, um, you know, to to you know to the next bit? I would try just to build trust with them to let them know that I was someone who was listening, someone who did care, and they could talk to me. Because to get away from denial, you've got to admit it. Yes. And, and they're not just going to sit down and have a conversation with someone and just start talking, which is why I have a problem when, you know, they throw some kids into counseling at, you know, such a young age or in their tween years and think they're just going to tell the whole story. Kids, children, adults, we have to build trust. Yes. 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 And I because, think sometimes, no, go on, sorry. Because so often the people who abused them were someone they trusted. Yes. So it yes, will no, take definitely. time. It will take time. 
No, definitely. I, I can totally, I can totally imagine that. And you know, sort of saying that, it reminds me of, um, and then again, I hope no one's going to shoot me for saying this. You know, like when, um, you know, you've had like an abused um, animal and stuff, and then you put loads of sweet treats from them to you, but then you're far away, and you sort of say, well, take your time, eat what you want. When you're ready, you will come close to me. When you see that, you yes. know, and then you sit away, and then you're like, okay, you're over there. Here are my treats. I'm sitting here. When you're ready, you come to me. I'm not yes. going anywhere. And, you know, it's not something that would just happen instantaneously. They just sort of study you, study you, take a step closer, study you, study you, till eventually they might think, oh, actually, this person seems like, you know, like they're genuine and they're not going um, anywhere. Um, yes. And so they then choose to to stay. Yes. Um, wow. Just give me two seconds to just clear my throat because it's been it's been tickling. Hello? Yes. Yes, I two seconds to clear my throat, so I'm just I don't want to start coughing over the over the recording. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's just it's just the the weather here. It's gone it's gone all all gloomy and stuff. And so by the way, since I've been out getting ready for for thing this weekend, um, I think the cold has gone to my throat and my and my nose. Um, but, okay, cool. So when um, so can you tell us about you know a scene in the in the book when um, Olivia was exhibiting her denial? What was your favorite part, you know, for her to express her denial? Hmm. My favorite part. I think it was when she was asked in college, she was asked to join a sorority. And okay. she would not she would not join the sorority because she did not want to be involved in the girl chats and the girls night out or whatnot with everybody talking about their past lives mm. because she didn't want to discuss her past. Yes. Wow. So did she not then do any of the social things girls her age did? No, none, none. Olivia studied and studied and worked and that was what her young life was. She was not social at all. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So no socializing. Um, that, that just seems you know, definitely quite um, an intense, an intense um, life. And I can just imagine, you know. Um, but then, okay, so what sort of problem? I mean, we don't have our expert today, Alan. Um, I think he's probably, um, he had some appointments to attend to. But in the in America um, now, let's say you know we've got someone you know they've identified you know that a child's been abused. They've worked out you know sort of to find a way to get you know justice for a child. Um, what sort of support is there um, you know for the child you know that's been abused um, to get help? I mean, I know you've talked about counselors, but obviously the the child is not immediately. Um, so what, you know, what are the different um, support opportunities there are in America? 
going on the states that I've lived in, it's still a very, very hard area because like I said, a lot of times the, the child has been abused by someone they know, they trust, or they're related to. And a yeah. lot of times, and I don't agree with this, maybe it's one of the parents and they may attempt to remove the parent from the home, but leave the child in the home. And yeah. I, I agree with trying to keep normalcy in the child's home, but at the same token, when this is still in the new stages, the child is still seen as the villain. Mm. And it's very hard for that child to, to go on when maybe that missing parent or family member is gone because of what that child said. So that, mm. leaves, that leaves that child to not talk. Mm. Yeah. So finding, yes, yeah. finding a support network for children like that is difficult. And like I said last week, in the, the system that we have, a lot of thing hinges on funding. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. when you have budget cuts, some of the first programs that are cut involve children. Yes, yes. So there might be you know a waiting list for them to get counseling if there's a list at all, or they might be in group counseling where they're not subject to be as open. So it's yeah. having a strong support network can be hard. Yes. Yes, 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 I guess. So I guess, you know, from what we were talking about last week, you know, it would then be better, you know, so for parents, you know, um, that, that are able to and do have a support network to sort of make arrangements that in case of emergency, in case something happens, because again, we don't plan for anything bad to happen to us, but sadly that's part and parcel of life and anything can happen. Um, so I guess it would be a sensible thing to do um, to sort of say, well, in case of emergency, in case anything happened, this is the person that I would like to look after my child and speak to that person. Um, because I did have a couple, I did share the, you know, the podcast with a couple of friends and they actually said to me that they, they have assumptions that their family would step up, but now just listening to this is actually making them think. Yes. It's, it's not a uh, given. And like I said, it's always blood family first, but in a situation of an, abu of an abused child, you have to take everything into account. You yes. want to put that child in a safe, loving environment where they trust. You can't put that child into an environment where they're still perceived as doing something wrong because yes. they're not going to open up and they're not going to heal. No. So no, even even no. if it is a family member or a close friend who has legal documents, if they're still siding with that family member, if they're still questioning what this child is saying and not totally supportive, you still haven't helped the child. Yes. 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 Whew. Wow. Well, this is this is this is this is quite intense. Um, do you know of any alternative therapies at all, other than counseling and sitting down? Actually, I do not. I could probably solve many many problems in this country if I did, but actually, I do not. Although, 
One thing that I worked with in the past as a volunteer and some of my foster uh, family families approve of is camping. Okay. And and not so much as just, you know, going on a camping trip, la, 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 uh, but saying uh, a week, two week, a summer out in nature, doing activities and with other kids who have gone through similar things. Yeah. Gives the, br- connects the child back, brings the child back. And like mm. I said, it's not, it, it may not be the, the, the cure all. It's not going to heal them, but it gives them the freedom to be who they are. Yes. Now, this is harder, you know, when these realizations come out during the adult years because yeah. you still have to work and, you know, have obligations and maybe take care of family or whatnot. So it's, it's more difficult in that aspect. But for children, you've got to allow them to still be children. Yes. Because the problem is they've been treated, you know, they've been objectified as sex objects and they haven't been allowed to be children. Yes. So what about if it's when the child, you know, all of this comes to light when the child is now an adult? Whoa. One thing with for Olivia and what she is striving for now is not just acknowledgement, yeah, but a, but an explanation. Yes. She needs to know why. Yes. But then sometimes, um, and I can't remember if it was you who said it or if it was someone else who said it, is that kind of like bullies, you, if, you, if you sort of go through the tree of life, you know, and say, see, look deep into the bully's life, you will find that sometimes that bully is being bullied. Um, yes. So I think the same thing applies to sexual predators, that sometimes if you look back to their life, they were possibly abused as well. And so they don't know how to be different. I I don't think I'll let them off that easy. I won't say they don't know how. I think it's a mindset. And because right. I do be, I do believe they know right from wrong. And I know yeah. they, you know, go through all these people who've been incarcerated and have committed all these heinous crimes and they find that abuse was did happen early in the in childhood. But I am I can't say that it could be part of the problem, but I can't let them off and say it's the reason because you still know right from wrong. Yes. I, I still think it's a choice. Yeah. Hmm. 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 So, my brain solves just all over the place. <laughs> you know, because seriously, you know, you're definitely, you know, correct. Um, but then it's sort of kind of... Um, because like when I first heard about it, that sometimes these abusers were abused, and then it then sort of puts you in a 50-50 situation, right? That you would think someone who was abused would not want that abuse to happen to someone else again. So they would exactly. do everything to prevent it from happening, kind of like Olivia, right? But exactly. then you will have those people on the other fence who will say, well, I was abused, so I have to abuse someone else. Exactly. And I don't believe that. I'm not a professional or an expert, but I just refuse to believe that because you know right from wrong when the your, your objective is not to be caught. If you don't want to be caught, you know you're doing something wrong. Yes, that's 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 very true. That's that's very true. But it's never it's never very easy. Um, no. 
I'm just trying to think now uh, because, you know, I was reading something the other day, you know, about sort of, you know, how a lot of people that they might have, especially those who the abuse of um, took place for several years, kind of like Olivia. And, you know, they, you know, some people then end up having PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and I think I read somewhere that someone, you know, sometimes, you know, the stress would be, the abuse would be so extreme to fragment. Um, and I oh, think yes. one of the terms they call it now is dissociative identity disorder. And literally, yes. they're, they're just, they can't cope anymore. And so, you know, they, they, they might fragment so that there is a, a different persona to deal with different, different yes. you know, aspects of, of life. Um, and I'm just sort of trying to think, well, you know, how does then that person who is now fragmented, how does that person start coping to sort of go through the whole denial, aggression, acceptance, you know, the, the whole five stages to then try to make themselves whole again? But I believe someone with that disorder can't hide it and they oh, are they're easy very to... they are very oh my good lord seriously that one i know for sure they can hide it because i was having a conversation with another lady and i i just said when i talk about it, it seems like i always have loads of you know conversations with loads of people and whatnot but i was having a conversation with a lady i used to work with her and she was saying to me that she was dating so when she broke up with her ex-husband this was many many years ago she started dating this guy, right? And she had a baby with her ex-husband. Um, and she was dating this guy and he was everything. He was accepting. He was like, yes, I will be dad to your child and everything, right? And then one day, you know, he just wakes up and chucks her out and says, look, I don't want to be with you anymore, right? And she couldn't understand it, right? And then years later, he then turns around and says, oh, I'm really sorry about that. And then he explains that I have this dissociative disorder and that a person who had chucked her out was not him and she never saw any warning signs not at all and i asked because i am very very close to a person who has that disorder and okay. i saw it years ago and it still happens today and she has been on medication for years and the problem is she'll take her medication for so long and believe that she's better, she doesn't need it anymore, and she'll stop taking the medication. The medication does help, but she'll take it three, four, five, six months, and she's feeling better, living life, going on, and well, I don't need this medication anymore, and she will stop. And then the dissociative uh, behavior comes back. Interesting. No, it's actually quite interesting that, sorry, go on. That's why I asked that, that was there a, any warning sign? She saw nothing. And there could have been something that she may have taken as him having a bad day or not feeling well, or maybe he had an argument with someone else. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Because with this person, it may have been a few months but me and several others said something's going on because mm. it was so out of character for her yes i guess especially if you're really really close to the person then yes. they can only hide it for so long um yes 
but and if you're kind of like maybe you're not living together and you only speak over the phone or you know stuff that puts a bit of distance then it might be yes. a little bit harder to to identify it's just someone you work with or go to school with you're not going to be as key then because we do we we do you know add a lot of things up and say oh well they're just having a bad day they got up on the wrong side of the bed I wake up on the wrong side of the bed most <laughs> time. <laughs> my family, they just ignore me. They just go, yeah, it's that time of the month. You know, don't they just take the phone off the hook and I guess. Exactly. Exactly. And it could be signs of something else. I'm not saying it is, but you never know. You gotta take who that person is totally to try to figure it out. And that's what we did with, with this person that I know. It was so out of character with her, and it wasn't a regular thing. And it just depends on what that person's triggers are. Yes. So sometimes I guess a lot of times they can't deal with stress. Yes. And so when they're stressed, that's that's a big trigger for them. And see with Olivia in the book, Olivia's trigger is thunderstorms because she was afraid of thunderstorms as a child and her father would comfort her and explain storms to her and also her mother. Because mm. she has she has a meltdown in the book at the mere mention of her mother. Right. That's 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 quite that's quite interesting. And the rest no, of the time you see her, she's a fantastic attorney, you know, fighting for children in court. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So another question, I mean, I know that you mentioned about medication um, and when I was reading up about dissociative um, identity disorder, um, they said that, you know, there really isn't medication per se, um, you know, to sort of try and make someone whole, that what you would see mostly would be, if they were told they're prescribing any medication, would be to treat symptoms. So for instance, if one of the side effects of the dissociation is depression, then they would give the person medication for depression. Exactly, exactly. Right, okay, that's fine. Because I, was, I wasn't sure if you meant treatment for the dissociation or no, 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 it, something. No, it's, it's to treat the mind, it's to keep them calm. So if they yes. you know, come in contact with their triggers, it doesn't send them off into a, a, an episode. Yes, ah, that that makes total perfect sense to me now because I was like treatments, treatment. I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't read up. I hadn't come across anything about um, treatment because I think it's one of those things where you know the person as an individual needs to go through all the stages and yes. then say, you know what? Okay, this happened. I accept that it happened. Um, it's not my fault. There's nothing I can do, you know, to to change it. I'm just going to sort of move on with my life and not let it affect me. And you know, it takes different, you know, it takes length, you know, different lengths of time. And I guess, and again, all the things I'm saying is just, you know, sort of guesswork. It's kind of like people who um, have an addiction, for instance, because sometimes, like I used to know this guy um, who used to smoke. Um, and he hid it from me. And then, you know, when I did find out, he was like, yeah, I just chose to not smoke in front of you. But he said, you know what, this is my last stick that you're saying, and I will never smoke again. And God understood, you know, I did ask him later, and he was like, no, no, I haven't had a smoke. But then he then later comes and like, oh, yeah, I was having a bad day one day, and I just chose to have one. But I think, you know, sometimes people make that intentional 
um, choice because I then did know someone else who used to smoke and he was like, oh, can you support me? And I'm like, yeah, I can't do that because deep down you need to want to not want to smoke. Because exactly. if you don't want to smoke, if you don't want to stop smoking, no matter what support anybody else gives to you, you're going to keep relapsing. But exactly. if you decide, you know what, this, I don't want to do this anymore, deep down inside of you, in your heart, where nobody else can see, just you and your God, and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore, you will find that it's easier to stop. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's got to come from inside. Yes. Um, and so that's why I just think that, um, you know, medications, you know, for that deep, acceptance you know medication can't actually do that you know it's something that a person has to make that decision um by themselves um okay well that sounds that sounds um good um right so tell us again now i know you've been hinting about a second book when is that coming out that will be out in january and that will be in the best interest of the child family matters and it's gonna deal with it's gonna deal with oh. Olivia in counseling. Olivia is she going to confront her mother? She has to make a decision to accept this oh, yeah. before she, before she can move on with the rest of her life. And remember, yeah, she's yeah, thirty eight. Yes, and I remember last week you talked about some haughty as well. Yes, Bruce Bellamy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, since you don't mention him, I'm like, well, will there be some sizzling action? I want to see some sizzling action. This is the very, very first time she has ever been in love. Because she's she's had sexual relationships in her life, but they were just sex only. There was no emotion, no feeling. And she never let a man get that close. Mm. So this time, is there going to be some sizzling action? I want some sizzling action. <laughs> there's going, there's going to be more that was in the first book, but I didn't want to fill the book up with bedroom scenes because that wasn't what the focus was. But I now, know. now that she's in this relationship, she can have the relationship as she tries to move forward. The relationship, yes. the relationship helps her because she is, she, she trusts. She has not trusted yeah. for so long, but now she's found someone that she trusts and who sees yeah. her for who she is. And I hope he's not going to break her trust. No, no, he's not going to break her trust. That's all right, but I, I'm looking forward to some sizzling action. <laughs> some sizzling action is needed. <laughs> <laughs> you know sad and everything that's happened and, you know sometimes when you have something good in your life you know you're like yes booyah it's about time we had some perfection and it's like Ooh. <laughs> and that's what olivia that's what she she believes she's on the road to normalcy yes but she's not quite there and she wants to move the obstacles out of her way so she can just be free yes but then how can she confront her mom who's still dealing with grief what 20 years later it's almost 30 years later and the thing with complicated grief disorder is it's another disorder that has no time limit you can't say they'll deal with it for six months or seven months or eight months it's usually identified in someone who grieves for over six months 
and also has other issues. And if, if they have health issues or physical disabilities, they can worsen. And they've even connected it, you know, with some, some types of cancer. Not, oh, wow. not, not saying that it causes cancer, but it complicates mm. other issues. Wow. And you will find out that Serena Chandler, Olivia's mother, her complicated grief disorder was triggered by her husband's death, but she had an earlier episode of her own as a child that made it worse. So she's dealing with two things at once, and that's why she retreats into her mind. Yes, yes, I can, I can, I can see that now. Um, yes, and the little humans, you know, she's had she's had lots of sugar today whilst we were out shopping. <laughs> Can you hear her? So she's yeah, saying, she's happy. She's happy. Yes, that's, that's what sugar does. Yes, we've had lots of juice and lots of Oreos because we love Oreos. I think Oreo cookies should come and endorse me because I think, you know, we talk about Oreo cookies all the time. <laughs> we love Oreos. Oreo cake, Oreo cookies, Oreo everything. Oreo makes the world go round and round and round. Then <laughs> I'm not a fan of Oreos. Really? Nope. What do you, what do you fan of then? Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies. Uh, Chips Ahoy, do I know that one? Do I know that one? No, see, I just blank out all the other ones. I just go straight for the Oreos. <laughs> well, I'll have to, I'll have to look out for those ones. Why do you like them? I like the texture. I like the chocolate chips. Oreos just have—they don't do anything for me. My daughter loves them, and she will buy them in double stuff and flavors and everything else. But they're just not a, a big thing for me. Interesting. See, when I was pregnant, I used to have, um, like, if you go to KFC, they do this, uh, what is it called now? Um, it's almost like a frozen, you know, with eyes, crushums, that's it. So they do crushums and they have, like, the Oreo flavor, then they have the Maltesers one. And I was just having them at nighttime. I was just drinking them like I was having hot chocolate. It was just really nice. And especially as it was summertime, when we had a little bit of sun, the juice sort of passed through your throat and it was like, oh. That's the same thing. <laughs> <of rice bread. laughs> no, seriously, but I think I think we should go and we should go and try and get rid of all the sweetness in our bloodstream now and get some proper food. Um, what what time is it there? And I always forget because it's it it's almost five thirty here. Ten thirty in the morning, Friday. Cool. So, what is what is for lunch? I, he has my, I have my two-year-old grandnephew, Jordan, with us again. And Jordan got up late, and he still hasn't had breakfast. So he's running, oh. he's running around terrorizing the dog and my husband. So we will get him settled down and have, get him some breakfast. And he loves oatmeal. That's nice. Little human, do we like oatmeal? No, we like nana, banana. And we like grapes and stuff like that. And we like eggs. We like loads and loads of eggs. She can have eggs Monday to Friday, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We love eggs. <laughs> Jordan will only eat eggs if it's with rice. This kid, he is the king of rice. Interesting. Interesting. 
That's nice. Well, how do you make your rice? I make white rice and then I make a, a broth, either chicken broth or beef broth. Okay. That's, how, that's how he likes it. Oh, cool. That's nice. But anyways, well, I'm going to let you go um, sort out late breakfast and we're going to sort out uh, <laughs> lunch, brunch, whatever we'll call it. Um, so for those who don't know, how do they get in touch with you if they need to? Uh, you can reach me at Felicia Denise. F-E-L-I-C-I-A-D-E-N-I-S-E at FeliciaD.com or through my website at FeliciaDenise.com. Perfect. Are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter at Ms. Felicia, M-S-F-E-L-I-C-I-A. Perfect. It's an absolute honor having you on the show. Um, and hopefully we'll catch you again next week. Yes, 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 yes. I, I, it's the day after Thanksgiving, so I'm going to have company. We'll see what happens. I will let you know. I'll be glad. It will be great if we can have you, but if not, it's been an absolute pleasure. And hopefully we'll see you again soon, if not next week, and possibly the week after. Thank you for having me. Okay, then. Well, have a good evening. You, you guys have a great party this weekend. Thank you very much. I will share pictures with you of my cake if I do deliver. <laughs> I want to see it regardless. I want to see the chocolate. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> okay, then take care now. You too. Bye.